The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. are you? Good, good. Eh, that's okay. We have good people here today. Nice. So, it sounds like we have a couple things we need to accomplish today. I hear some crinkling and crackling of those boxes that we had earlier. I hear some, I know, that's okay. Some of you forgot them at home. Some of you are working on them right now. But, Cooper, I see your box. And you had a great question for me before the service, which is, what should I do with my box? I'll tell you what. The reason we were collecting those boxes and putting in all the things that God has gifted to us to share with others is so that we can keep doing the work of the church together. It's so we can keep being a congregation together. So what I want you to do with that box however much tape is on it, <laughs> I want you to ever so gently put it in the offering plate when it comes around, okay? Now, the ushers are going to have to figure out how to stack it all up and all that kind of good stuff. So it's good that we're going one at a time. But when you put that in the offering plate, it's just like when your mom or your dad or grandma or grandpa puts their envelope in the plate. 
What they're putting in that envelope is gifts and abilities that have been gifted to them by God, and they then share it with the church, both people they know and people they'll never meet. Isn't that a good thing? That's a great thing. Yes. Where's the money go? Well, it goes to a variety of places. It goes into Trinity's account, and then we use it for any number of things. Do you ever wonder how the lights stay on during the service? That is from gifts that we share together. Do you ever wonder how we have heat in the winter and cool in the summer? That's from the gifts that we share. Do you ever wonder how we have all those different activities that you love going to, like what's cooking and all those other things, vacation Bible school? That's from the gifts and abilities that we share. So that's where it goes. Yeah. What? That's a gift too, isn't it? That's a gift too. So, we're going to focus back up. Now that we've taken care of our boxes, here is a question for you. Have you ever gotten into an argument with someone? Mm -hmm. How about that? I figured we might have. Now, if you've ever gotten into an argument with someone, have you ever thought that you were right? Yes, you were right. I've, I've done that too. Now, has the other person thought that they were right? Yes. Okay, now if you think you're right and the other person thinks they're right, what happens? A lot of times, yeah, you wind up fighting, right? <laughs> or at the very least, the argument just goes on and on and on and on and on, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, sometimes this happens with a friend. And you have to figure out how to stop it or at least ease the tension between the two of you. Sometimes it happens with your parents and a lot of times they win those, don't they? And they should. And they should. With us, sometimes our actions and our words and the things that we do, sometimes they don't quite line up with what God would have us do. And a lot of times I think of that as a similar type of argument. We think we're doing well in how we live life, and God thinks there's a better way of living life. And then we think we're doing well and right, and God thinks God's doing well and right, and God is. So what happens? What happens when we think we're right and God thinks differently? Now, this is a hard question, so think about it for a little bit. What happens when God thinks differently than we do? Yeah. Yep. It's a lot like our parents. We do call God, God the Father after all. Just like your parents, if, even if you don't like what God's saying to do, even if you'd rather do something different, Go with God. Go with God. There's always a whole lot of questioning that goes on, just like with your parents. Why am I doing this? What am I doing? What's the purpose of this? Those are good questions, but keep going with God. There will, your whole lives long, be something inside you that wants to do one thing and something different from you that's calling you to do what God would do. Go with God. Can you say that? 
Go with God. Go with God. Go with God. Over and over and over and over again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Should we pray? Yeah. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the good gifts that you've given to us and the way that we share that with the whole church, both people we know and people we don't. We give you thanks for your grace and your mercy and your love. Even when we want to live life one way and you call us to another, that no matter what, you love us. We pray that you would give us grace and strength to go with God, to follow you all the days of our life, and that we consistently would answer you like we answer our parents and even better at times. Be with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Similar question. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody who is entirely sure that they are right? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been in a conversation with that same somebody and been entirely sure that you are right? Yep, 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 yep. More and more I find myself in those today. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I think it's funny how I think the whole world has become stubborn, but I don't recognize that I have too. So what happens? What happens when you and that other person are in a conversation and you are both consistently saying that you're right? Whether it's on Facebook or anywhere else. It's a long conversation. Sometimes it's a real long conversation. Sometimes it's a real short conversation. But in any case, you can feel that tension. You can feel that neither party is going to budge. And you can feel each person searching for whether or not this bridge between one another is going to remain intact. There's always that moment that we can that place that we can cross, that moment that can occur where all of a sudden we're not sure about the relationship anymore. A lot of times we try to preserve it. Sometimes people get on our nerves so much that we try to burn the bridge. But in all things, we understand that we're trying to figure out how we still connect. That relationship becomes strained. That is the context in which Jesus is talking to the crowd and the disciples here in the 11th chapter of Matthew. Right there. That tension. In the 10th chapter, the week before and the weeks previous that we've been studying, Jesus takes his disciples and sends them out into the countryside to do works of ministry on behalf of Jesus. And as Jesus sends those 12 out, 
He goes about. He tells them, this is what you do when you enter a town. This is what you do when you enter a household. This is how you see if someone is accepting of you and how you perform in that light. This is what, how you see that someone is not accepting of you and how you perform in that light. He tells them about potential persecutions. He tells them about potential being chased out of towns. He tells them about life and death implications of being a disciple. They go out. They do good work. They come back in. And as they're reviewing, it comes to light in what Jesus is saying as a reaction to his disciples' testimony that not every town and not every person was real thrilled with the disciples going out. There was some healing and there was some good work and there were some towns and some individuals and some families that would rather kick out the disciples. And it's in that context that Jesus says, John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Sometimes, we find ourselves so stubborn that no matter what form the gospel takes, we will reject it. We all will reject it. It's not a matter of do you or have you rejected it. It's not a matter of will you reject it. It's a matter of how have you rejected it. It's a matter of when do you reject it. It's important to say this out loud because the gospel doesn't make any sense if we don't recognize that we are the ones in the towns. We are the ones hearing this through the gospel. We are the ones who saw the apostles and said, no, thank you, for a variety of reasons. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, if we say we have not rejected Christ in one way or another, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is important because it's very easy to hear Jesus' later words, come to me all you who are weary, as an invitation for the pure of heart as an invitation for those who did accept Jesus, as an invitation for those who are already right with God, as an invitation to those who are not actively saying to John and to Jesus and to every other messenger of Christ, get out. But we all, all have this. There is a conversation going on in each one of our lives between us and God. And God knows that God is right. And we know that we're right, don't we? And then we come to that exact moment that we were talking about the, at the beginning. We come to that moment 
where we are trying to understand what this relationship means and is like. We're trying to understand whether or not we will remain connected. We're trying to understand whether or not this is a bridge too far. We're trying to understand whether or not this is worth continuing. We're trying to understand whether or not the person on the other side of the conversation, our father, our brother, our savior, will continue in this relationship. None of us are perfect in our lives. None of us are perfect in the way that we welcome Christ. None of us. And I don't know about you, but in every conversation that I've had with someone who knows that they're right and I know that I'm right, it is exhausting. It is that conversation that you want to win, but at the same time you want to avoid it's that conversation that will wear you down even when you're not in the person's presence, even when you're not talking directly to one another. It's that conversation that constantly wears. That same effect can happen with us and our God, where we know what God is calling us to do, and we know what God would have us be, and we know the ways that we are differing from that calling of God in our lives, and yet, not a whole lot. God knows that God's right, and we still know that we're right, and nothing moves. And that's what makes the next part good news. God does not say to a, Christ does not say to a crowd of good following believers, come to me, you who are weary. Christ says to a crowd that both welcomed the disciples and did not welcome the disciples. Christ says to a crowd that is in line with Christ's teachings and is not in line with Christ's teaching. Christ says to a crowd of us who are listening here today, that are in line with God's teachings and not in line with God's teachings. Everybody, come who are weary. I will give you rest. Come to me. I will ease your burdens. Come. Not because you have been right. Not because you have been good not because your life is lined up perfectly. That is not why you're being given this. It's because in the midst of the tension between what you believe you want to be and what God knows you should be, God will always, always draw near. That is a bridge that God will never burn. That is a place that God will never go. God is in this forever. For you and for me. It's not because we're right that God loves us. It's because God is God and we are loved.
those same conversations, those conversations that we were talking about at the beginning, they change. At least for me, they do. When I have a different experience with that individual, when I have a different understanding of who that person is, I've fought for people for, with people for a long time. One day had something different than our regular argument, and the next day when we return to that argument, it changes. I believe that's what God is doing. There is a tension between us and God and who we are to be and how we are to live. But instead of continuing, continuing to argue over and over and over, God grants love. God still calls us. God still walks with us. But God does something different to interrupt our argument, to interrupt our stubbornness, to interrupt our lives. So, in a foolish and scandalous way, regardless of who you are or what you've done, the love of God today and all days is now for you. Thanks be to God. Amen.